Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. I'm PJ Doran. This week on Pit Pass, we'll be talking to Tim Laskis. Looking forward to the interview. Moto America, the home of the AMA Superbike Championship featuring 190 mile an hour plus superbikes is the official sponsor of Pit Pass Moto. Moto America, of course, is the home of the official AMA Road Racing Series for North America, and you can find out all about them at MotoAmerica.com. We've got 10 rounds of the best racing on two wheels scheduled this season. All 20 Hono Superbike races are going to air live on Fox Sports. Liquamali Junior Cup going to be airing on Fox Sports as well. Moto America Rewind and Inside Moto America also on Fox Sports. And then the Super Sports Series is going to air live on MAV TV. So there's multiple ways you can catch them. Don't miss a minute of the action. Practice qualifying races and video on demand with Moto America Live Plus for streaming. It's an incredibly active way to catch all racing action throughout the weekend. It's how I get it, and I absolutely love it. Very hyped up this year. The King of the Baggers is returning after a one-race uh, deal last year. We're going to have five rounds of it. Can't wait to see how that goes. The V-Twins are going to be killing it, and there's some incredibly fast racers on those custom-built bikes, so tune in and check those out. For tickets, info, and the complete 21 schedule, visit MotoAmerica.com, where you can get up to 20% off select tickets and events using the code EARLYBIRD. Code EARLYBIRD. The latest in Moto news, of course, we had Supercross round two and round three from Houston. In the four, we'll start with round two results in the 450 class. Eli Tomac rebounded from a very rough start at round one. Round two, he's the winner on top of Dylan Fernandez and Brayton in third in the 250 East class. Jet Lawrence came out on top of Colt Nichols and Christian Craig. Big news from that Tuesday night event was that Roxon was penalized four points for a jump during a cross flag event. He was not happy. He didn't agree. Nonetheless, four points were taken from him in Saturday's round three from the same venue there in Houston. 450 class saw Cooper Webb on top of Roxon and Cian Cerullo with his first podium of the season overall in the 450 class. Now sees Roxon leading the points with 60, Cooper on 59, Justin Barsh on 59, 250 East on Saturday night saw Colt Nichols on top of Christian Craig and Jet Lawrence. These three are going at it every race and in the overall standings with Colt Nichols on 70, Craig on 70, and Lawrence on 64. Clearly, we look forward to the West Series opening up.
This week's Pit Pass trivia question is, only two riders have won Motorcycle Grand Prix World titles without winning a single race in their championship season. And who is the most recent rider to do this? We'll be back with our answer after we talk to our guest, Tim Laskus. We welcome today to Pit Pass Moto, Tim Laskus, PhD, and really impressive individual. Tim, welcome to Pit Pass. Thank you for joining us. And uh, what can you tell us about what you're doing? Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. And I have uh, a background in clinical psychology, and I've been working uh, part-time at Club MX Training Facility in Chesterfield, South Carolina, since 2014. And it's been a great ride ever since, and I've really enjoyed taking my background in psychology and really working with those guys to help them improve their overall results when it comes to race time. So, Tim, your um, psychology lends you the ability, I presume, to help high-level athletes really hone their performance and their ability to compete. Club MX, off-road motorcycle facility, are there other forms of sport that you've involved yourself in? Uh, is this a first, I guess, uh, the dirt motocross world? Yeah, this is a great question. This is my primary focus is with riders who are competing in motocross and or supercross. When I first started working with the athletes, it was actually in the kind of a regular general sport of tennis, uh, working with a college athlete as I was on my internship. You know, I thought that I always wanted to work in the, the clinical field and, and, and work with patients in a variety of, of hospital settings, which I have. But once I started working with that first athlete, I was really just I was bitten by the bug. And so, um, you know, I grew up racing as an amateur here in South Carolina as, as a kid, amateur motocross. And I'd been away from the sport, didn't even follow the sport for quite a while. So it was nice to kind of come back in and, and have the opportunity to really help uh, some of the up and coming guys. And actually, I've worked with some of the guys who are currently uh, factory riders. So at the facility you mentioned and where you're working, are you finding that all motocross athletes are amenable, accepting of working with someone like yourself, you know, talking about mental uh, approach and mental study of the game that they're in? Or do you get some pushback from racers? Because racers can be very funny guys at times. <laughs> yeah, and I don't work with everyone who comes through Club MX. Brandon Haas, who is the owner, and he's the guy that I had reached out to in 2014 and, you know, just offered my services to him. And he really sees the impact that the mental side of, of racing has on these guys. And so once, once he had brought me in, it's basically presented to them that they have an opportunity to work with me and they're not mandated at all. And it really is kind of a, a mix of guys. The ones who I do work with, they truly enjoy it. They see the benefit. And then they end up talking to some of their buddies who then later come to me and say, hey, I know you've been working with so-and-so. <laughs> Can you help me out? And I think motocross and, and maybe two-wheel sports, two- and four-wheel sports specifically, were probably 
slow to jump on the, the, the wagon of, of mental performance coaching or sports psychology. It's typically been something that the stick and ball sports have, have used for a while. And even the men and women who compete in, Olymp- in the Olympics in a variety of sports have used mental performance coaches for quite some time. So although it's been around in motocross and, and other forms of, of two and four wheel racing, I still would say it's relatively new to them compared to some of the other traditional sports. And that's not altogether surprising given what we saw in two-wheeled slash four-wheeled sports. They were the last ones to adopt professional athletic trainers as well. You know, professional athletes at the highest level in other disciplines were certainly quick to adopt it by comparison athletic training. And that said, are you partnering? Because it seems maybe I'm wrong. The next level of mental performance is a guy like you partnering with physical trainers and really coming up with a game plan for an individual athlete. Yeah, and that's the great thing about Club MX is that they have a variety of professionals who work as part of their staff. So they have riding coaches, they have fitness trainers, they have a nutritionist, as well as myself in the mental side of training. And what it really does is it brings everything together. So these men and women, we have some women who come there to train as well. It takes their their riding that they have on and training on the, the track itself and their off-the-track training, and it kind of brings it together because a lot of these, and especially probably some of the team managers on some of these professional teams can talk about it. They have riders who come in who have the experience, they have the equipment, and they seem to be in, in fairly good shape, and then they just don't cut it for whatever reason, and they're left scratching their head. And I really like to look at the performance, specifically with, within motocross, is kind of a four-legged stool. So you, you have your rider ability, your rider skill. You've got the bike itself. And then you have the endurance side that's a major part of that, which would be the third leg. And then the fourth would be the, the mental performance side. Sometimes these riders, they kind of just grow up riding and having fun and riding on pure talent. But then when they get to the top levels of racing, and they experience the stress and the pressure that the team's sponsors have on them. And some of them just don't know how to deal with it. And that's where the elite guys have figured it out that it's the mental side that really takes them to that next level. So, Tim, the mental approach to competition, easily enough understood, I think, for the layman. It takes time and effort. Visualization is something that all racers are really familiar with, and that is, in fact, a a mental tactic. Do you approach or do you have an approach for athletes outside of the real specific competition focus? Because I know a lot of young racers, uh, when they hit their stride and are going up in popularity and then stress and all the things that go with it, there's a lot of things outside of the racetrack beyond beating this guy. Is that something that you touch on with athletes? You know, I look at it as it impacts the racing. And so I I tackle it that way. Although I'm a, a licensed clinical psychologist and I certainly can work with riders if there was anything, you know, personally going on or any mental health issues. But because I I just wear a hat as a mental performance coach there, if I do see someone struggling in that area with, you know, maybe a mental condition, I'll make appropriate referral. I won't try to, you know, tackle it myself. But certainly there are things that happen off the racetrack that impact these riders. 
whether it's something going on with the family, maybe some family dynamics have happened, something's changed, could be finances. In, in some of these families, they will, they will finance everything in order to give their child the opportunity to become that next star. And that's a lot of stress. And so, you know, that can be overwhelming for them. And just having general kind of poor coping skills, they could have some issues with maybe managing your anger and frustration off the track. But, you know, how does that relate to racing? And it could be maybe when they make a mistake on the track that they allow their frustration and anger to get to them. And then they keep making poor decisions and they never really bounce back during a race. And so I will certainly work with them to give them some skills so that they can increase that focus, get back going strong, and finish strong. It's got to be exciting working with, I presume, is a a recurring wealth of youth because moto racing, uh, two-wheel racing in general, involves younger athletes. You get to see them at your facility, I'm sure, when they're really young. How early is too young for you to uh, start putting the thought of mental performance into, uh, into their training regimen, if you will? Yeah, great question. At Club MX, I mean, usually kind of mid-teens, you know, 15, 16 is is very common there. I have worked with some that were a little bit younger, actually, that weren't even a part of Club MX, but parents of racers in, in Europe had reached out to me because of the wonderful world that we live in with technology and, and the ability to use platforms such as Zoom. You know, I'm able to work with the parent and their kids across the pond, so to speak, you know, thousands of miles away. So it really is a lot of times it's the parents that will reach out to me and say, hey, my young son or daughter is struggling. Is there something that you could could do for us? And what I'll do is just sit down with them and kind of see what the general issues are and let them know, yes, maybe I can, or, you know, maybe it's not something that I would be able to help them with. But to answer your question, I mean, they could be early teens, Some of these kids, they seem to be being kind of selected earlier and earlier by some of these factories to be the next person that's going to be the star on their team. Some of my most interesting interactions at local tracks, nation, national tracks involve moto parents. And you just touched on them that you're doing, um, without painting too dark a picture, moto parents are notoriously famous at almost any racetrack you go to. You're going to be warned about someone's moto dad, moto mom, that is a, that really is a piece of work. Do you get those interactions too? <laughs> well, we've all heard of those parents who are just notoriously just you know, terrible or, or they seem to be rude or, or just overly aggressive. And, you know, we, we kind of wonder, it's like, what is going on with them? But there are parents out there that are truly probably have the best interests of, you know, of their child in mind, but they don't know maybe how to kind of keep it all in under wraps and, and be able to not let their emotions (laughs) take over. When I come across some of these parents and and I I will never point it out, hey, you're one of those bad parents, but I'll just kind of talk about, hey, you know, is, (laughs) is, you know, is your son or daughter, are they doing this for the right reasons? You know, and and sometimes the parents could be wanting to live out their own childhood dream through their child and they get carried away and the child just goes along with it initially because they want to please mom and dad. 
but they may not have a true love of the sport. Maybe they're good at it. Maybe they, they do enjoy it to a certain level, but not at the level that dad does. So one of the things is I would, you know, help them, hey, really gauge, is your child really in it for the right reasons? That's an important piece of that. And the other is to make sure that school is always a priority. When I was growing up as an, an amateur, we didn't have the training facilities. And yet there are a lot of kids who are younger and younger going there and they're using uh, online school so that they could train pretty much full time, especially when it comes around for Loretta's or Mini O's, which is two big amateur you know, races that, that are here in the U.S., a lot of these parents will take off for a couple of months to some of these training facilities and online you know, education is kind of the idea at first. But then as, as they get into it, the education becomes secondary. And I always encourage them to make education first. Absolutely sound advice. And I can only imagine serves them well. So are you now traveling to races or is that part of the suite i assume you would call it of services that you might offer are you going to supercrosses on the weekend are you mentioned loretta's or the mini you know are you attending those live because you've got racers who want your support and or guidance typically i do not a lot of the work that i do is behind the scenes and i, and I don't really have to be there but i do at times i have gone to races and, and i will watch and, and just see how they do or I will uh, make sure that I watch the, the Supercross on TV and I'll know and have a general idea of, of how, you know, a certain rider that I'm working with did. And so then when we have our next session, I'm kind of already up to speed on what was going on. And I'll kind of have some question myself about, you know, certain things. But typically I'm not going to the races every weekend now. You get to watch them, though, as you describe yourself as a, a former amateur racer. Are you back into amateur racing? First of all, you don't strike me as someone who would be anything but uh, enjoying a, a good race, uh, amateur level or otherwise. Uh, you look to be healthy enough, and are you back on the bike? Well, I did initially, and then I ended up selling my bike, and, and I haven't gotten around to getting another one, and I've really been focused. I have a seven-year-old. And his name is Landon, and he is getting a Cobra here pretty soon. And so if some of those moto parents out there know that, you know, Cobras kind of, they, they have a, a good reputation of, of being a fast bike. And so really my focus is in my son and, and his racing, but certainly in the near future, I hope to get my hands on a new bike. Well, you'll have to ride with him anyway, even if you don't <laughs> go racing. I'm not trying to push you. Uh, my racing days are typically behind me i occasionally get out for an enduro but that's about it and it's usually with friends not competitive like it would have once been and i understand wanting to watch your son that's awesome and exciting uh cobra will take him as far as he wants to go at a young age yeah i really do and, and with my my last bike that i had a couple of years ago i i enjoyed being on the track but i think that my mind thinks that i can do it my body says otherwise <laughs> So I've just learned to take it easy when I would go riding and, and I got more into woods riding and just being relaxed and just, just enjoying being outside. And that's the biggest thing for me. And anybody who's, who's raced or been around racing and motorcycles, 
it really is hard. Once you get bitten, it is hard to to put it aside. You're always going to be a fan. Absolutely. You get rid of one bike and you're already thinking about the next one. Tim, thank you so much for the wonderful insight uh, and what you do really for the racers that you're working with. I'm sure it's invaluable to them. So we wanted to say thank you as we're running out of time. I wanted to give you a chance, though, to mention how people, our listeners, could get a hold of you or check out more about the services you offer. Yeah, I still offer some some coaching. I have some availability as a coach to riders. And if they were interested, they could reach out by email at tim at coachwherever.com or they could just go to the website, coachwherever.com. I also have a certification program for others who wanted to become a certified mental performance coach. And that's at coachwherever.com. And thank you so much for having me. Thank you to our guest, Tim Laskis. This week's Pit Pass trivia question was, only two riders have won motorcycle Grand Prix world titles without winning a single race in their championship season. And who is the most recent rider to do this? The answer is Emilio Alzamora, who won the 1999 125cc world championship without winning a race by virtue of his 10 podium positions in that season, he defeated Marco Melandri and Masao Azuma, who each had five victories, proving the point very definitively that you don't have to win a race to win a world title. It's a game of consistency. And again, I come back to my favorite racer, road racer, that is, of all time, one Kentucky kid, Nikki Hayden. He did win some races, but by no means was he a dominant race winner. But by virtue of hard work, consistency, the guy put together the 2006 world title. And congratulations to Emilio for proving that point as well. In upcoming Moto News, Supercross is moving on to Indianapolis for rounds four, five, and six. Saturday, January 30th, Tuesday, February 2, and Saturday, February 6th, all three from Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. We look forward to more intense on-track action. Thank you again to Tim Laskis for joining us today, and thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. If you have a moment, please rate and review us as well. We really appreciate it. Make sure you're also following us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and visit pitpassmoto.com where you can check out our blog. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to Tommy Boy Halverson, Chris Bishop, producer Leah Longbreak and audio engineer Eric Coltnow. I'm PJ. We'll see you next week. Have a great ride. Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. 
Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today.